Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a man Prospect Magazine called, quote, one of the world's leading thinkers, unquote, award-winning journalist, author of the book Two Spies in Caracas. We welcome him. What's his name? Hi, Sean. Thanks, you. Thanks. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Moises, let's go beyond the mic. Two Spies in Caracas is a fictional novel, but some of the hard-to-believe events are completely factual. Why was it important to tell this story? First, you wrote it in Spanish and then had it translated into English. <laughs> yes, you're referring to the events of January 6th in the United States, in which a mob tried to take over the the capital and stop uh, counting the votes and uh, you know the, the, the democratic process. We the Venezuelans uh, saw this in horror as the rest of the world, except that we said and we say, you know we have seen this movie before, except that we saw it in Spanish and in Caracas in the parliament, in which a mob, not unlike the one that attacked the U.S. Capitol, attacked uh, the Capitol to stop. Um, the institution for functioning. As you know, democracy is not just uh, electing, going to vote every four years. Democracy requires the checks and balances that ensure that um, there are no, there is no monarch, there is no king, there is no emperor. That is a, 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 an appointed person uh, elected uh, for a limited period, and that the other institutions and the checks and balances are working. That there is a free media that. Congress is independent, that the judiciary is independent, and all of those things uh, create democracy, and, and the, all of those things are under attack in today's world. And in my book, Two Spies in Caracas, I show how it all started in, in probably and surprisingly in Venezuela. Espionage is a combination of deceit and truth. As spies develop assets by telling fabricated truths, they lose a piece of themselves. How did the development of Ivan and Christina challenge you. It was hard for them to keep their lives straight. Hard for you. Yes, that you're absolutely right, and that is a great question. I have been for a long time a writer of nonfiction. I write essays and books and uh, academic uh, articles and. Uh, all, all based on uh, the, the tools of uh, modern journalism and social sciences, you know, verification, corroboration, all that. And, and I have been doing that for, uh, for a long time, covering Venezuela and uh, the ascent of uh, Hugo Chavez and, and the decline of the country. Uh, but I felt that they, I was leaving uh, an important part of the story out because I couldn't verify it. I knew it was in, I knew in my gut and I knew that it was happening, but I couldn't provide the evidence. So I decided to write it as, a, as fiction. And I also wanted to tell a story that people, you know, not, not another essay, not another political screed, but an interesting story. And so I came up with these two spies, uh, that, um, Ivan Rincon is, is, a, is sent by the Cuban government to try to neutralize the efforts of the CIA that in turn had sent Cristina Garza, a Mexican-American woman that, uh, uh, was a Marine and then joined the CIA. And she's sent to Venezuela. They w both work undercover. He is a businessman. And Christina has uh, runs one of, of the good spas and um, healing clinics in the country. And um, but in fact, what they're doing is spying and trying to uh, limit and contain and eliminate the other. And uh, in the process, they 
know each other without knowing without knowing who they really are, and that's where, as you said, their complex personalities and, and personal histories and context and and the difficulties of maintaining a double life of one of lies and pretense and the realities of love and attraction. And one of the surprises I had is that once the the character starts taking over, you just follow him or her. In my case, it was quite surprising to me to see how my characters was were driving me because of their, you know, their nature. Your doctorate dissertation was on the political economy of regulating multinational corporations. How has your views changed or evolved from the day you wrote it? Wow, what a great question. Um, uh, the world in which I wrote those um, that, 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 that dissertation at MIT uh, has changed quite significantly, except on the on the nature of the big multinational companies. When I wrote that uh, dissertation, um, we did not have the instant giant multinationals, you know, the, tech, the technology companies that come out of nowhere, have a, a, a technological disruption uh, and, and, and become giants in no time and become multinationals in no time. Um, in the past, it used to be that you had a company, the company was successful in their home market, they eventually started exporting a little bit, uh, if you're in America, you started to export to Canada and to the UK, you know, because of cultural affinities, and then you become, uh, you start operating in Europe, and that makes you a multinational. And that took a decade or more. Um, now, as I said, uh, you can have these instant uh, multinationals that operate globally um, uh, uh, and move at great speed. Venezuela has struggled for years. The country has incredible oil riches, but currency hyperinflation and the boulevard is one of the weakest circulating currencies in the world. What are the key problems that Venezuela struggles with each day? Lack of food, lack of uh, hard currency to import medicines, to import machinery, you know, spare parts for for much, you know, very hard to manufacture anything, very hard to sustain any company. The the you know the, the manufacturing capacity, the economic production uh, of the country has dwindled. Um, Venezuela has had now the largest bout of hyperinflation, uh, the largest shrinkage of an economy that without those that happen in war times. is a completely destroyed uh, nation that is unable to feed uh, the, their citizens. 20% of the population has left the country. Many of them have just walked to, uh, to neighboring countries because they could not feed their children, they could not, um, they, there's no education, there's, there's no hope at the end. And, um, and this tragedy was man-made. Uh, this was not a natural, uh, as a result of a natural accident. This was very deliberately uh, done by a combination of the Cuban government and the Chavez, and who died in 2013, not before anointing um, Nicolás Maduro, the current dictator of Venezuela, as his successor. So they have um, essentially destroyed the country, and Cuba has looted uh, Venezuela. You've written articles about President Chavez for over two decades. Cuba's been under sanctions since I was born. How can a country so financially bankrupt take Venezuela over so easily? 
this is where the surprises of uh, human interaction uh, kick in. Um, we think in geopolitical terms as these large tectonic forces that are just beyond the control or the influence of um, individuals. But then individuals appear and their behavior ends up having uh, huge consequences. And in this case, what happened was that um, Hugo Chavez got to meet Fidel Castro, who became his advisor, his counselor, the father figure, and uh, his main trusted person. And Fidel Castro manipulated this um, charismatic leader, military leader, that uh, um, believed in Castro, and Castro managed to insert his agents throughout the Venezuelan government and in very important positions, and Hugo Chavez and his allies allowed that. And um, and it, it was essentially a stealthy occupation of the country, of Venezuela, by uh, Banco Island, as you said, in, in the Caribbean, Cuba. And um, and then this occupying country uh, did what uh, occupying countries do, which is loot the country that they have stealthily invaded and controlled. And that is part of the story: how they looted and, and you know they they stole oil, massive quantities of oil and, and minerals. And Venezuela is a very wealthy country in terms of natural resources, and the Cubans took over and, and, and essentially looted it. Moises Name, author of the book Two Spies and Caracas, joined us beyond the mic. Which country will be the next to default on their loans to the World Bank? Well. Uh, I don't know that. Uh, certainly, uh, Peru now is uh, going through a very difficult transition. Uh, there are some in countries in in Africa that are very weak, and uh, the pandemic has changed and altered uh, the rules of the game uh, as it were played before. There's a post-pandemic effect. Yes, and and you know we we are sorting it out. Yes, because you know we are not even close to the post-pandemic. We are in the midst of the pandemic, in which a lot of the institutions, uh, ways of thinking, uh, models that we thought were permanent have proven to be transient, and those that we thought were temporary are here to stay. Naim, is the world's financial house of cards starting to teeter? Well, no, I think um, there is, um, the, the world is more, the, finan- the international financial system is now stronger and better surveilled than it was before. But again, as I said, there is a lot of uh, um, rules and, and, and policies and mindsets that are now obsolete and we need to adjust to them. You know, there is an era, uh, there are many years of easy money with what was called a quantitative easing, which is the, the government the printing money and, and, and you know, spending uh, and, it, you know, very low interest rates and all that. And that is going to change. We have not had experience. We There's a generation or more that has never experienced inflation. And that will start happening, it has already started happening, in which things are going to be more expensive. Inflation will be part of the, uh, of the story in, years, uh, in coming years. It's time for one big question with Moises' name beyond the mic. Moises, you're also the writer of The End of Power, discussing the decline of power in leaders and institutions. Are we getting closer to a dystopian future where multinational organizations will be more in control of the world than actual countries? No, I don't think so. You you have seen how feeble and uh, difficult and um, 
Naughty Pacts will have been the multilateral organizations. You know, the United Nations is not that influential. The World Health Organization, even the World Bank and the uh, International Monetary Fund are constrained. You refer to my book, The End of Power, that the main thesis there is that power in the 21st century has become easier to acquire, harder to use, and easier to lose. And we can see it around in, you know, all human activities where power matters. That is happening. Uh, the most recent example that we have had of that is Donald Trump. Easier to acquire, harder to use, easier to lose. He, he acquired power against all odds uh, and was able to stage a takeover of the Republican Party. Then he had power and misused it, and, and, and then he lost it. It was very ephemeral. We don't know yet if he's going to be re-elected, you know, run uh, or be even re-elected. But at this point, he is an, ex- an example of the forces of, uh, you know, of the, the end of power, meaning the, 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 the limiting, uh, the, the weakening of uh, the, the power. What are the things that you miss about Venezuela? You knew growing up, and what are the things you don't miss? I miss my people, my, my you know, my high school buddies, my, my friends, my family. You know, I have deep attachments to my country. It's a beautiful country that has been destroyed. Uh, but uh, I am very excited by the possibility that this country can be relaunched, rethought, redesigned, re, you know, uh, re, re, relaunched in a very humane, decent, uh, non-corrupt way. We thank the author of Two Spies in Caracas, Moises Name, for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you very much, Sean, for inviting me. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.